Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So today we have a referral from Carol Raps, who was a previous guest on the show. And she said, when we're doing her show, she said, we have to get Margie on the show. Margie is the best audit report writing trainer she's ever had. And Carol's been doing this for like 30 years. So um, she said she'd taken a lot of audit report writing trainings and Margie is the best. So today we have Margie Bastola on the show. Uh, Margie is the report writing expert for audit and compliance folks. Um, she's worked in over 40 countries teaching uh, thousands of auditors and compli compliance folks how to do this. Um, before she started doing the training, um, she spent 20 years with the IAA and an executive and a director role. Um, and some of the things we talk about, I ask her, what's, you know, the big takeaway that we should have for audit report writing? You know, whoever's listening to the show right now, what, what should they walk away from? What's the big takeaway? So we talk about that as well as just the mindset to have when writing a report, because I think that's important. And then who should we have in mind when we write the audit report? Because the audit committee is going to read it. Management's going to read it. The C-suite might read it. It's just like, you kind of speak differently to those people um or or talk about it a little bit differently frame the discussion a little bit differently depending on who your audience is so we talk about that also um i strongly encourage everyone to check out her website uh there's links in the show notes uh, auditreportwriting.com scroll down to the bottom and you'll see um where you can sign up to get the seven deadly audit report mistakes i signed up and i read them before talking to margie and it's it's a very valuable. Uh, I would definitely look into doing that. Um, and then go to the resources tab and on it, she has the actionable audit report that you can uh, download and read for free. So check that out also. Um, having nothing to do with audit, I will say Margie's website is one of my favorites. I have a problem when I go to a website and I just want to like buy somebody's thing or I want to book an appointment with them and I can't figure out how to do it. And so when I see a good website, I, uh, I like to tell people about it. So hers is straight to the point, go to the website. If you're interested in training for audit report writing, go straight to her website. It's super intuitive. You know exactly what to do to get in touch with her, which I appreciate so much that I spent 15, 30, 20 seconds letting you know that. So. Hi, uh, my name is Margie Bastola, and I'm based in Orlando, Florida, and I'm a consultant and trainer 
who helps internal auditors and their audit departments write clear, impactful reports. I've been doing that for over 20 plus years, and I love just helping, uh, teaching people how to write better. Yeah, uh, definitely something I need help with. <laughs> I think okay. the more the that we've gotten into being able to rely on spell check and grammar check and things like that, I know I just completely gave up on even trying to be good at uh, writing. Um, so I think your, your service is very much needed uh, probably now more than ever and will continue to be needed even more so in the future. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it. like I said, there, there's always that need. When I, when I talk to uh, chief auditors about training, it's probably the, the need that I hear the most over and over again is helping people uh, learn to write well. Because at the end of the day, the report is what they can leave with their clients that shows they were there and here's what we, we found or we thought and, and here are the changes that we need to be need to be made. So it's only the only product that you really leave. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's the one that people struggle with the most. Yeah, the, the kind of final deliverable and you definitely right. want it to be uh, in really good shape. So, all right, let's talk about how to do that then. Okay. One question I know that I've seen discussed and that I'm curious about is how we can get audit reports out the door faster. I was talking to a client of mine recently that was working on one for the past three months. So, and I know the past three months have been like probably the craziest three months of their <laughs> professional career, uh, logistically speaking and trying to get everybody on the same page and everything. But that's kind of where we are right now. And, um, I guess with that in mind, what can we do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think the thing that I encourage folks to do is to think about, you know, we tend to do to audit and then we tend to write. And, and really the auditing process and the writing process are parallel processes. Think about what happens if you wait until the end of the audit, okay? Oftentimes people don't have complete information they haven't, let's say, for instance, gathered the, enough information that makes the effect section of that finding or observation impactful. They don't have complete information. And sometimes, too, you, you know, you're in a rush to close things down and move on to the next audit. Mm -hmm. But you've got to really think that report through from the beginning. Um, you think about the various parts of a report objectives and scope and background information and all those kinds of things most of it you have from the beginning and and so if you focus on writing from the beginning it'll help you get that report out uh, more quickly so I think really you've got to make it a parallel process and not wait until the end and and you've got to have people um, I tell people to write the findings as they find them and, and I also tell them just to sketch it out and then go talk to someone to make sure you're thinking about it correctly. Because that's, that's, yeah. where, that's where the problem is, is you can't write well until you know where you're heading. And so people struggle with, well, what do I need to say? And what's really the condition or the problem? And so it, it, it's that struggle that's making the whole delivery time take longer. So if you can sketch it out based on your understanding of those five components, then speak with someone and say, okay, tell me, am I thinking through things correctly? Oftentimes that's all that's needed for yeah. people to get them on the right track 
And uh, because I've tried that many times, not only in classrooms, but just reviewing people's writing. You know, I used to, um, at the end of a class, take the writing home on the first day and I'd read 10 or 15, you know, findings that people had written up. And, and what I told them, I, I wasn't going to edit it. I was going to review it. Mm -hmm. So I'd ask questions. And just like you to review work papers. And, and then uh, the next day I'd come back have a few minute discussion with them, tell them what I liked, what, what, what was, uh, I couldn't quite understand. And then when they got it, then all of a sudden the writing improved. Yeah. You know, it was just clear. Yeah. And, and so. I think doing it in tandem with the audit itself is probably the thing that I should have done the most. Cause I was always yeah. like that. It was, find the issue, put it in the work paper. And then right. I really don't want to deal with the report right now. Right, because we hate it. Yeah, it, it is kind of the worst. I didn't want to say that because that's your thing, but it is kind of the worst. Well, look at, you know, I, you know I'm you know i supposedly a writing expert and I struggle because, yeah, yeah. you know, it takes time and you've really got to concentrate and you've got to focus. Absolutely. And uh, there are just other things that are easier to do. Yeah. And, and unless you're naturally born uh, with a, a writing skill where everything just flows, and most of us are, then it's it's a struggle. Yeah. So uh, I think that's what it is. We don't like like to do it, and so we tend to push it off. But if we think about it more as we find it and then, then talk to others that can help us frame our thinking, we, we'd get it out the drawer so much more quickly. So, And I think you hit on the fact that most of us aren't kind of natural writers. And, and one question I wanted to ask you is what's the like the one thing that the listeners can take away from this episode that's going to have the biggest impact. And, uh, and so you saying that we weren't natural writers, most of us aren't to me <laughs> it was finding the person on the team that was the natural writer and saying, yeah. Hey, can you go review all this stuff and write, yeah. you know, kind of fix it for me and then we'll send it on. So uh, that was, that was mine. But say you don't have that person on your team. What's the biggest thing that we could do? You got to think about it. It's a process just like anything else is you've got to have, why am I writing this? So what's the goal? Who's going to read it? And then, then I think about, okay, so here's what I wanted to say. What's the content? The content, logical content, what goes in this? And then I focus on, okay, is that sentence clear? Do I need to change it from passive voice to active voice? Are there wordy phrases that I can get rid of? But, but you got to get the thinking piece. That's what I mean when I say thinking. It's the logic of what you're going to say first then you go in and clarify the writing and make it clear concise and tone appropriate but it's it's thinking about it like a process so there's a the process of working on the report throughout the audit and then right? also within that a process mm -hmm. for the audit report itself and that's what you're saying that the the where we can kind of hone it in is on that that process and yes. writing the report yeah, anything you do, you know, you have to frame your thinking first. Who's it for? What do they need to know? And then what's the key points I want to tell them and just kind of sketch it out. Then after you know the direction you're going, then you go in and, and make it pretty, as I like to call it. Gotcha. All right. Is there a, thinking like big picture, what's the high level mindset to have when we're writing an audit report? Is it, uh, I know I've, I've heard you talk about or seen you talk about the mindset of informing or the mindset of persuading or both? And how does that all kind of play into the, the report writing process? Well, you know, I think 
that the purpose of an audit is ultimately to help a department make change if they need to make some changes to their processes or their programs. And one of the ways to do that, other than just communicating in person, is we like to put it in a, in a report. And so that report needs to be compelling enough that people will want to make the change. And, and I really think that our reports serve two purposes. They serve to inform and, and they serve then if, if changes are needed to persuade people to take those changes. So that's what I think about. I wanna inform and persuade. So if I wanna inform and persuade somebody to do something, I have to really think about what would they need to make them do that. Yeah. And that then ties into who reads my reports and what do they need to know. Okay. And, and there are multiple readers of reports. And so that's, that's one of the challenges is how do I write once to an audience that's going to cover what the vast majority of readers need. What I do know is if you think about who reads your reports, you've got the business line owner, you've got their, their management, you've got senior management in the company, you've got a board or an audit committee, you've got compliance folks, you've got regulators, you've got public accountants, sometimes you have the public, and so you've, and then other auditors. And, and then, so if you think about all those people, what do they need to know, okay? Well, what you're gonna find if you categorize readers, very few people are what I would call an expert in that subject matter, and they're familiar with what's going on in a particular process. So that's really typically just the business line owner, and maybe one person up, but the vast majority of our readers, they're experts in their own right, but they're not familiar. Mm -hmm. They're not familiar with what's happening. And the fact is they don't really want to know the details. Yeah. See, there's a tendency for us to think, well, if they don't know, I've got to explain more. Yeah. And I think what they would tell you to, no, 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 no. I just want the main stuff. Give me the main point and write it in such a way that it's not a lot of jargon, right? Just, just tell it, use simple words and, and give it to me so that I can look at it, make a decision and move on. Do you see the, the jargon more in an IT audit report than a non-IT audit report? It, it depends on the complexity of the, of the industry I'm working in. Okay. You know, um, I mean, definitely the IT reports can be complex. But last year I worked um, particularly with one uh, bank that had a lot of complexity and they areas they were auditing that, that weren't necessarily IT related. And so in the class, as class started off, people would say, well, we write IT reports, so those are just necessarily more complicated. But then what they started seeing is, oh my goodness, it's even hard to understand the operational things going on in other areas. So it could be both. And, uh, but both can be written at a level to where the average business person understands you. And that's really the goal. You know? So, so if we're, if we're thinking of, we have all those people that are are in the audience, we'll call them. Right. Um, is the average business person the kind of person that we want to have in mind when we're writing this? Yeah, you, you, you want to have in mind, think about writing this at a, a seventh or eighth grade level. I don't know if you've ever heard about writing at grade levels. If you think about newspapers, that's what they're written at most newspapers. And if you look at the Wall Street Journal, and you know, a lot of very smart people read the Wall Street Journal, but that's probably ninth or 10th grade at the most. But when I, sometimes I can run, I can look at a report or excerpt from a report that someone has given to me to look at before I teach a class. And of course I take out all key components so no one can identify it. And I can run it 
across some sort of software that looks at, you know, how complex is it? And a lot of times I'm seeing that the writing is, is grade 16 or grade 17. So you're talking about, you know, MBA and beyond. Yeah. And, and probably most of our readers have an MBA, but the fact is they don't want to use, they don't want to burn that many calories to understand what we're trying to say. So they, that's it. They just don't want to burn the energy. They just want you to tell them and make it simple. As a matter of fact, the more simple you make it, the more they're going to like you. Yeah, that's and, a really good so, point. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. You're, and yes, you're talking about the software. Is there a software that you go to that's free that, that people could use to see you where they're- You know what I've, I've done sometimes? I don't own any particular software on that, but but what I've sometimes, I've, I've, I just Google something and I can clip out a little piece of writing and I just plug it into their thing, whatever they have online, and it will spit out a fog index. Uh, you can also, I think sorry, in you Word- said, You say the fog index? I call it the fog index, meaning how cloudy is it? You know, how unclear is it? Okay. So it's, a, it's not a clear day. So, and also, I think you can go in, into Word uh, and make some adjustments. And, you know, those uh, fog indexes look at, like, how many syllables are in a word to compute the complexity. They look at how many words are in a sentence. And, um, yep. I, I, I think that you'll find somewhere along the way, I think most business people, whether they're an auditor, <laughs> whether they are um, an engineer, we've been taught to kind of, because we're, we want to come across well and very professional and we are working with an educated group of people, we tend to try to raise the level of the writing. And I think, uh, and we may have even learned that in college because, uh, you know, the first question I ever asked when my professor would assign a paper is how, how many words, right? And <laughs> how, how big is it? And so you would purposely add words and flowery phrases and, and make it sound headier. And uh, I don't think that was really their purpose. They wanted us to, uh, they'd assign a certain amount of words because they wanted us to put an effort into it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, so I think it's more or less, we have to kind of untrain people uh, the way they maybe grown their skills over the years, thought about the, themselves, oh, more professional writing is using headier language. And it's really just the opposite. Yeah. It's more simplistic. And I think one, one tip that I've gotten that I thought was really helpful was there's all these text to, uh, or speech to text tools. So, oh, okay. you, you know, we're, we're talking right now, we could get this translated to text in a word document. That's true. And That's something I think it was a substitute teacher I had in the seventh grade uh she said write like you speak with the advice that she gave and so that's kind of what I've always done and I think being able to literally speak it and then have it you know get dictated to text and then being able to use that to kind of you know clean it up a little bit is, is something that's been really helpful for me as someone that overanalyzes what I'm writing anyway I mean I could spend forever we were talking before we started recording 
I think the first and second and third, at least blog post that I ever wrote took me like 10 hours to write. Cause I just so much time on this word or this word and how's this come out and, how, and do I put a hyphen on this thing? And it was like, you know, if I would just had a mic, I could have just spewed everything out, gone back in and cleaned it up. And you know, I think that's such a good point to bring up because for me too, I could do the, I could fall into the very same trap and I know better. First, I think, well, gosh, they, I can't mess up on any word I put in a document because they're looking at me as a writer, expert oh, yeah. writer. So I even put myself into that. And what I need to remind myself is to back away. And like you're saying, how does it sound? People want you to be conversational. We're not talking unprofessional, just conversational. Right. Uh, think about it. You know, you run into someone uh, in the hallway who asked you about an audit. You're not going to, you're going to just, just tell it like it is. You're going to be very clear and concise. Uh, you're not going to write in passive voice. You know, I, I always tell classes like I would never say uh, breakfast was eaten by me this morning. <laughs> right? right. I just won't say it. I'm going to say yeah. I ate breakfast this morning yeah. or I wouldn't say my car was driven to work by me. You know, I, I drove my car to work this morning. So I, I think we've overcomplicated it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Overcomplicate, definitely overanalyze. I think that probably naturally as auditors, we tend to do that, overanalyze yeah. things. And I don't think it, it, I don't think that changes when it comes to writing. Um, all right. So something that I definitely overanalyze when I first, got into internal audit. So I was external audit. I didn't even know about condition, criteria, cause, effect, recommendation. Those were all foreign to me. I mean, we documented yeah. them, but I didn't know that there was, you know, in, in external audit, we documented similarly, but not, hey, we have to hit these five things and this is what they mean. And so I got to internal audit and I was going through and I was like, all right, there's this new thing I got to learn. Let me, okay, condition, that makes sense. This is what the problem was. Criteria, all right, this is, this is what that is. And then I get to the recommendation and it was like, well, wait a minute. In that, in the recommendation, the same thing as the criteria. And then I do the cause and I was like, wait, is the cause is that that's kind yeah. of like the effect too. Yeah. So is there, is there some kind of way to help make that a little bit yeah. more clear for, for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you know, you know, my first, I need to remind or tell you, I don't know if I told you, you know, my background is in auditing. You know, I, I was a banker for many years early in my career as an auditor and I was a public accountant and, and, and then uh, I too worked uh, many, many years for IIA headquarters. So I'm, I'm very familiar uh, with the auditing process. But if you think about all that the five components of a finding are condition, criteria, cause, effect, recommendation, it's just a problem solving process condition it's the problem what did you find you know i tell people that's the world as it is this is this is what we found or we're told or and and so we write up that condition and then the criteria that's the world as it should be okay that's whatever we're measuring against or what we thought we'd see mm -hmm. and then what's the cause what's the difference between the two condition and criteria and what's the effect well it's the effect of the condition the effect when it happened and the effect going forward. And then what's the recommendation? And, you know, if you're solving a problem, you just don't repeat it and say, do it like the policy says. <laughs> that's where I right? got, that's where I got hung up. I was like, wait, that's it's the same it, thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you don't say, just don't do that again. Uh, we, we go to the cause, right? We go to the cause. And I think 
when even though most people are familiar with the five components, I spend a lot of time in, in classrooms and they do too on we frame out uh, some sort of uh, audit observation that they're working on now in their actual audits or ones they've worked on in the past. And they have to get the content in the right places. And we spend uh, a good part of, of a day focusing on the thought process. What's the real conditioner? What's the problem you found? Because, you know, the condition is kind of the foundation on which all those other components rest. If you can't define the problem, you can't solve it. Yeah. Uh, there's an adage that says uh, a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. And, and that's the piece that people struggle with the most. So, you know, I, I help them understand that these components are all different from each other. You don't intermingle them. Um, and sometimes they'll see, well, gosh, I've got a little cause in the condition and I've got effect, you know, condition and the effect in my recommendation. I'm not sure that is a repeat of my criteria. Right. And so once we pull those apart, put them in the right buckets, then all of a sudden their thinking clarifies. And that's what I mean. You have to help people think it through. Because gotcha. it's, it's, uh, it's a critical thinking. You know, when people these days are always talking about critical thinking, well, it's way of, you know, if you apply it to something actually in the audit or to that report, you're thinking through that problem you found and how to solve it. Then after you've thought it through, then when you, then you, then you go back and make sure you're writing in complete sentences and that they're short and sweet and tone appropriate. But, but you can't get to that until you've done the first. And, and that's why I always say, you know, writing is primarily a thinking process. Right. And uh, so that, that's what I focus on. And, you know, one of the things that I do in my classes is I have a tool that my clients and I use that asks a lot of questions. Let's say for the condition, I may ask questions like, uh, does the condition uh, do, does the condition describe the world as it is? Does the condition infer risk? And meaning so that the reader knows something's wrong. Mm -hmm. and if there's nothing worse than you read something, you go, well, that looks good to me, right? Um, that look like a problem to me. Um, does the condition, does it focus on what's happening today and yesterday versus what's happening in the future? Okay, but it's focused on the future, that's a risk, right? An effect. So, you know, I, I have like many questions that I go through on each component to where they become so familiar with that. Then all of a sudden, then they start applying that uh, to, to writing up the problem. And they even apply those questions when they're trying to gather the information to put in the finding. That's ultimately what I had to do as I found a, a way of a, a question to answer what yeah. is the condition. It was just kind of a, a way of asking it. And yeah. when I finally found that, that helped a lot. But even then I would go back and I was like, ah, I think I messed it up again. You know, so <laughs> having, having That's right. multiple questions, like you're saying, um, yeah. it's a really good idea and, and something I wish I would have had. So, well, all right. Is there, is there anything else that I haven't asked that you want to speak to? I, most of these questions were for my, you know, for me personally, based on uh, frustrations or struggles that I've had. Is there a message that you want to? leave the listeners with? Yeah. You know, I think the primary message that I, I want to tell the listeners that I have uh, looked at hundreds of audit reports from all sorts of organizations. And one thing that I think there's a real opportunity for is to work on clarifying what the risk is. 
-hmm. you know, we'll write up an observation. And when it comes to the effect, which is really the, the selling point, right, of, of your whole observation, it's the thing that compels people to action. Those effects tend to be very generic. Uh, they, they don't really tell the readers anything new. And, and so how do we really encourage people to take action if we don't do that? Um, I, I think I've seen so many generic statements. Like I, I remember uh, in, uh, let's say, one banking group I was working with, the affected most findings or observations that they wrote would say, we will have increased regulatory scrutiny. Okay, yeah, you probably will, but guess what? Every finding you write, you can say that, yeah. right? Right. And, and again, that's that's just not one instant, you know, one industry. Every, that tends to be kind of across the board with auditors. You know, we we, you know, we're risk experts. We uh, select our audits based on risk. We plan the audit based on risk. We write the program based on risk. We do the testing based on risk. But when we find it, the problems. We don't report what the risk is. We just use the real high level generic risk. And the person reading that really has no context. They're going, I don't, I don't understand why this is a problem. Well, how big a problem is it? Well, how often could that happen? Well, how, you know, we've got to give them things like frequency, size, likelihood. Give, give them context so it makes sense to them that, yeah. oh yeah, I see what you mean. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing uh, is that our reports would be compelling if we focused on the risk and the problems for reporting, doing things more than saying, I found two high risk findings and one, one low, one medium risk that, that doesn't really tell the reader much. So I've always seen it as you do the condition criteria, cause effect recommendation, but if you were doing it, how would you list it? Almost like to me, it almost, would make sense to put the effect as the first thing because we're talking about yep. wasting yep. energy on reading yep. something. If you're in the committee yep. and you know, like, I don't, I'm not going to read all five of these things. Yep. What's the risk? Yep. You know. That's it. Okay. You're, you're right. Because you know, the, the, the condition criteria cause effect recommendation is the part that, you know, is left in your work papers and it forms the basis of your report and you write it up well. And then when it comes time to what I call translate it to the report, all you have to do is, you know, remove a few headers and put things that are most important. A lot of times you see people put cause and effect first. Because of this, this is happening or this could happen. Yeah. And then you go back and tell the, the back part of the story. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's That's the concept of main message first, right? Yeah. And, and so, and then once you focus on those risks and they're clearly identified in those observations in the body of the report, then it's easy to write the executive summary because all of a sudden they surface, right? And then those are the ones that should be focused on in that executive summary. I like that you mentioned the main message first, and yeah. this is uh, a little bit of my soapbox. And this is, so I had to take a business writing class when I was in college too. Yeah. And I don't remember anything about it other than the lab that it was in. And yeah. the idea of bottom line first is the way yeah. they talk to me. And so what we do is we'd have to write an entire email and then we'd have to say, this is the main reason for the email, right. it out, stick it as the very first sentence. And that's right. it. And, right. and I've always tried really hard to do that, especially if, you know, if it's like a book long email, I, I'll usually write it and then just delete it and go, like, I should call right. this person. But yeah. so when I yeah. see other emails and there's just like goes on forever and ever and ever. And then eventually somewhere in there, there's the statement. It's like, that's what you yeah. wanted 
just put that thing first. So just I don't have just to... tell me at the beginning, what is it that I want the reader to know, to feel, and to do? Tell me all the way from the beginning. You, even in your subject line of your email, that's, that's priceless property right there. So really take advantage of that. What was that? To know, to feel, and to do? To, what is it? You know, if you want to frame out anything you're writing, just as general, uh, I think to myself, what is it that I want the reader to know? How do I want them to feel? Meaning, do I want to create a sense of urgency? Maybe I want to just, I want them to feel appreciated for the good work they've done, but I've got to think about what feeling am I going to create? And then what do I want them to do? Wow. And uh, so then that's just kind of a general thing that I uh, write up and, and it helps me frame what my message is. Do you have yeah. any trainings coming up, websites, yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, I, I'd like to uh, encourage everybody to go to my website at auditreportwriting.com and just check out uh, kind of the things that I do. But also I've got some uh, resources on there. I think the one you'll want to download is called the seven deadly audit report mistakes and, and take a look at that and, and share with people on your team. And then I've got also got an article under the resources tab called the actionable audit report. So you might find that helpful. And what is, and, what is that what about the actionable audit report? Yeah, it's about many of the things that we've talk, talked about today, but it's mostly about making your writing and the report compelling so that people take action. Okay. And uh, that's ultimately the goal of what we're trying to do. And if, and if I can help you out in any way, just give me a yell and I, I'd love to, to talk with you. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.